Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and before I leave, I'm going to have a good time. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel Dresser, and have you tried the quagmire? <laughs> if you haven't heard about it, you don't want to know about it. It's too late. I can't remember what it, the rejoinder is. I think if you haven't heard about it, you don't want to try it. Yeah, there like we that. go. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Space the Nation, where we look at science fiction through the lens of... Monte Carlo simulations. And disengagement theory. Today we'll be talking about San, Ju- San Junipero. I don't know why that bothers me, Dan. Well, I feel bad, Anna, because I think when we've talked about this episode, or like when we've been previewing this episode, I think I've been saying San Junipero. I think and it's you definitely have, San Junipero. I think you and have too. I've, I've been mispronouncing <laughs> it. So, you know, I've been adding to the confusion and I apologize to our listeners. It's San Junipero. Also, yes. I think as someone who speak some Spanish, it bothers me because it's like a word that kind of wouldn't really exist in Spanish. I don't understand Junipero? 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 I, I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. it's the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror, which is available on Netflix. In the next few weeks, we'll be talking about How to Lose the Time War and then the Riddick trilogy. We have lots of ideas, but are always taking suggestions. Dan, what's the best way, the absolute best way to make a suggestion to us. So the thing to do would be to become a patron, which sounds like it's a big deal, but it really isn't. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash space the nation, choose to become a patron for as little as $3 a month. And in return for doing that, you get access to our discord, which is pretty awesome. You get early access to podcasts. You get access to our AUAs. There might be merch. Um, we're not going to talk about that for nope, now. Nope. Nope. Nah, yeah. It it's, uh, exists in theory, much like m- the Black Mirror universe. Exactly. Tantalizingly is, close. Is that- Tantalizingly, excruciatingly close. But the important thing is we do take suggestions from listeners. And indeed, I am very pleased with our Discord channel. It is, it's a lovely group of people and some lively conversations. And, and Dan shows up every other weekend. Sci-fi. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I like to play Takes the role of divorce dad. Yes, <laughs> and pizza, and pizza. Okay, I'm not skipping as the divorce dad. I'm really doing a good job here. Yes. It is a wonderful Discord. Uh, you also will get our newsletter, which features a mm-hmm. Discordian of the month. Now, Ooh, yeah, that's right. I was going to say something else about the Discord. Well, that is the best way to kind of get in touch with us if you want to make suggestions. We are yes. also on another exclusive platform. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're on a variety of social media. So I think we're both on Mastodon. I'm on post. But over the last week or so, what's interesting is that the Blue Sky site has suddenly become a lot more active as Twitter sort of continues to self-destruct. Self-destruct is an interesting word choice there. Yeah. (laughs) My rule is, is that if the owner is doing things that causes the site to break down, I qualify as a self-destruct as far as Except I just feel like Elon is a, you know, lives in the realm of no consequences. And so like, he is just destroying a thing. (laughs) That's true. He's not doing much to himself. He's just destroying a thing. You know what? I disagree with you a little bit on this and that you're right. He's rich enough so that this really won't matter. But I do think what he's doing to Twitter actually hurts him in a way that losing money does not in that people now think of him as a punchline in a way that they never thought of him before. And that has to fucking kill him. So many thoughts. Okay. Separate episode. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's fair. fair. Number one, I think a lot of people have thought of him as a joke for a while. 
Mm-hmm. Number two, I don't know if he has the self-awareness to realize that people think he's a fool. He got up on stage with Dave Chappelle. Do you remember that yes, video? Yes, I remember that. But I, what I remember <laughs> was he was stunned at the response. Stunned. And so, yes, yes. <laughs> but the point is, is that he did acknowledge it. So that does suggest. And then he tried to make a joke out of it. Anyway, Dan, it's Dan, 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 when we're not on Blue Sky, or yes. in my case, Instagram, I'm on Instagram, Anna Marie Cox. Mm-hmm. What are we doing with our lives? Well, we have jobs. Have we have jobs, but like we have jobs. Yeah. But beyond that, I believe you have a website called AnnaMarieCox.com. Also, AnnaMarieCox. When you spell it out, it, it doesn't matter. But when you say it out <laughs> loud, yes. Yes. <laughs> actually, it's funny. The website is AnnaMarieCox.com. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> You're Anna. The website goes by Anna. I like that. I do like that. And I also have a Substack. It's called Dresner's World, uh, where I write about international relations and other stuff that interests me. And it's doing pretty well. Congratulations, Dan. I hope you escape the Substackopolis. Thank you. <laughs> How are you? I am good, Anna. I just got back from vacation on Martha's Vineyard, which was lovely. The nice thing about Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> this show is just a travelogue of Dan. Yes. Dan. <laughs> This is both Space the Nation and just like, where in the world is Dan Dresner? Where in the world is Daniel Dresner? (laughs) Daniel W. Dresner. The great thing about Martha's Vineyard is that, you know, even though we're now full blown into summer, when you're there, when the sun goes down, it actually is a little bit like the West Coast in that the temperatures tend to drop into the 60s. And so it makes it very pleasant. How are you, Anna? Well, the temperatures dropped below 100 this week, Dan. So, Oh, thank God. Yes, I'd read yeah. some stories and was worried about you about the heat shield the heat or dome. whatever it was. Yeah, the yes, heat, heat, heat shield dome. and heat dome both sound like Justice League, you know, inventions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And emotionally, it is as dark as a Zack Snyder film. Ooh, that sounds In fact, I, I have wondered if there's such a thing as like reverse seasonal affective depression, seasonal affective disorder, because mm-hmm. I got really depressed last year. And yes, right. there is. There is a way that you get people, some people get depressed in the summer. And I think it's this fucking high heat. That's I'm just wondering if like, I'm sorry, I'm wondering if psychiatrists have a name for it, which is called contrarian seasonal. <laughs> With apologies. Oppositional but, you know. seasonal. There we go. Disorder. That's even better. Yes. That's even better. Thank you. That's what Thank I have, Dan. I have oppositional yeah. seasonal affective disorder. And I think O-C-A-D, yes, O-S-A-D. You have O-S-A-D. I have O-S-A-D, O-S-A-D. It yeah. probably comes from the oh, same- Oh, that works so well, O-S-A-D. Oh my God, that's perfect. Sorry. Sorry. We'll put something on the market for it. I'm very happy about the O-S-A-D acronym. <laughs> and it would come from the fact that I don't get outside much when it's like this, the same way that people don't get yeah. outside much, you know, when it's 20 below in Minnesota. Right. I would rather have it be this hot, though, than be as cold as I was in Minnesota, Maybe a discussion for another time, probably just a personality yes. thing. We pr- we'll probably mm-hmm. move on to what the, we're talking about. We're talking about the San Junipero episode, episode of Black Mirror. Of Black why, Mirror. Dan? Why? Well, Anna, it's no longer Pride Month. That was June. But we were so excited at all the good science fiction we found along the way that we wanted to do this pretty well-regarded and unusual episode of Black Mirror. In Unusual in the way in that it does not have the typical Black Mirror ending. <laughs> I'd say the typical Black Mirror flavor of <laughs> just utter bleakness. Yeah, I don't, so, utter so bleakness, fair, dystopian. I've bleak watched it's just Black- such a good word. I can't get it's it's a bleakness not just about technical or oh, yeah. technological future, but a bleakness about the human psyche. That's what's oh, it's really a bleakness upsetting about. about- 
Black Mirror. It's it, the bleakness is about the interaction between humanity and technology. It's not just about the tech. But I actually think there are two different kinds of Black Mirror episodes outside of this one. This one is a, is a true League of its own. unicorn. Yeah. But beyond that, there are two kinds. There are the ones that are, as you say, unrelentingly bleak, like just horrible. And then there are the ones that I think are melancholy, which I actually kind of enjoy. And I, and I think those are the ones that I think are actually done really well and usually have some sort of affecting storyline, whereas the unrelentingly bleak ones I just can't handle. And I would say we did this episode because it's the only Black Mirror episode that I was assured would not require me to use mind bleach afterwards. That I would, <laughs> I would be able to continue my life without having to do a lot of work with like kittens and puppies right. and, you know. Like, and was that the case, Anna? Like, is that how you feel? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we'll talk about it. I don't think I loved this quite as much as a lot of people Mm -hmm. did but i did like it very much it's an odd piece of culture in a way i think yeah i do wonder whether part of the reason it, it hit the way it did was precisely because it came from black mirror oh yeah but yeah we will get to that speaking of which will this podcast ruin it for you and my answer is oh good god yes in the sense of if it's a black mirror episode it's a black mirror episode like all black mirror episodes part of the fun is the mystery reveal I do think it's definitely worth watching, but I am going to put this in very important disclaimer. If you have never seen a Black Mirror episode before and you watch this, do not under any circumstance believe that the rest of the Black Mirror series <laughs> is like this episode. Because the rest of the Black Mirror series is the exact opposite of this episode. So do not watch. If you, you know, really like this episode, consider not watching any others. That's what I would consider say. Consider <laughs> not watching the rest of the show. That's all the way I would put it. Yes. yes. And your previous experience with this yeah. This actually was, I believe, the first Black Mirror episode I ever watched. And, um, I mean, it, did it you know what you were in for? That's the that's the real question. I knew that, like, I, I think yes, in the sense that I knew that, like, when it came out, there was a fair amount of buzz about mm -hmm. this episode, and so I was like, okay, I'll watch it, and you know, I, I was definitely intrigued by it. I did like go over like best of Black Mirror episodes and watched a few more. I knew, I knew, this but you, was that's a, what you knew you were getting into. Like, you were yes, like, I knew I know, what I was getting into. I know that yeah. that was like the little bit of sweetness that is going to make the rest of this taste really horrible. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Anna? I stopped watching Black Mirror after the playtest episode, which is one of their video game episodes that has to do with Alzheimer's mm -hmm. and death and parents and it just it's not one of their necessarily especially sad ones but i was just like you know what i don't need this in my life <laughs> like, <laughs> yes exactly i have enough going on like mm -hmm. i will not watch this by choice yeah it's not even like the most sad one it's just the one that i decided to stop watching i will say that i've been mm -hmm. uncomfortable watching it ever since the very first one the pig fucking episode <laughs> god which, by the way, Dan? Yes, Anna. Is there IR in that episode? <laughs> There's a shit ton of IR in that one. <laughs> but don't make me talk about it. Do not make me talk about it. Actually, I think that is in some ways the most disturbing of the Oh, it is. I think about it every once. Like when someone brings it up, I'm like, fuck, now you made me think about it. Right. Because the problem with that's, that and one that is, is the, that's the story, right? Is like, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. The problem with that story is, unlike all the rest of the, the show, that one could actually happen. There was no tech thing no. in that. That was like, you know. I mean, I some mean, of the pretty... Supreme Mastermind stuff is. Yeah, 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 yeah. But all I the mean, technology is available. Basic. All the technology exactly. is available. That right. is true. That, and that was what was horrifying about that episode for me. Yes. Beyond oh, the obvious. Yes. It's just horrifying. Yeah. Don't, if yeah. you, yeah. if 
that sounds like an enticing idea to you listeners. You probably, if you're listening to this, you know what Black Mirror is. You can make your own decisions, you're adults, but yes. you will never be able to unsee it. Never, ever, ever. Okay, but let's talk about this episode, which is decidedly more pleasant, and let's get to the story behind the story. Now, Anna, the primary showrunner for Black Mirror is a gentleman named Charlie Brooker. I know him because when I was doing the zombie work, he wrote an interesting little miniseries called Desk Set, in which the premise was that a zombie apocalypse breaks out on a British reality show. But the point is, is that they usually don't have happy endings. So <laughs> what the fuck happened here? Well, he's either, this show did start a lot of conversations. There's a longish article in New York Magazine that's a oral history of this episode where I'm getting most oh. of what I know about it. It did start out with just sort of a general idea of a theme park that was heaven or heaven as a theme park with like all the people that you knew <laughs> from your life populating it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then there is something called nostalgia therapy that is used. Um, it's not exactly a treatment for Alzheimer's, but mm -hmm. it, it, I guess you can say that it is because what it does is it improves the mood <laughs> and the well-being of people with Alzheimer's. You put them in a in a place that reminds them that it ha that makes it seem as though it's that decade, mm -hmm. one of the decades like that a, they remember. It would be a palliative treatment, I guess. Is the way well, it also can be helpful for the actual okay. Alzheimer's as well, because one of the problems with Alzheimer's is that the depression and anger. Yeah. that come with not being able to remember. So if you can get people in a good place, literally, I guess. You, you're and what's interesting is, is that's explicitly referenced in the, in the actual episode. Yes. So it's nice to see. Yes. Yeah. So there was going to be a story, a heterosexual couple, and what that original idea was, it was a Black Mirror ending. The, the reveal would be that one of them was dying. Ah, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like Black Mirror. Uh, <laughs> but I guess it just, he, they kept writing. He said it was sort of a writer's room thing. They were like, oh, this mm -hmm. happened and this happened and then this could happen. And so they came up with a, with a happy ending. Also, they wanted to do a period episode. Mm -hmm. That was something. Mission accomplished there. Good Lord. Yes. <laughs> we'll talk about that as well. So I'm curious, uh, you know, worth asking, is, was this written by a queer person or persons? No, Dan. <laughs> it wow. was not. It was written by a bunch of straight white people. Uh, <gasps> My God. <laughs> and it hasn't been canceled yet? What the fuck? Holy crap. Well, I think Sorry. it's interesting. I, I was thinking about this earlier today because we talked about Jupiter Ascending, which is made by proudly trans women, right? Mm -hmm. um, with yeah. a history of making movies about transness and talking about it. And the movie itself, not a lot there. Not, not nope, a ton. Nope, nope. Again, readings are available if you want them. You know, like that's cool. If you if people find something there, mm -hmm. great. But I don't think there's much intentionally there about transness, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Right. And then yeah, we absolutely. have this made by from apparently real straight people, het, cis het, straight people, right? Cis. Het. I said yeah, too many whatever. words there, but you know the privileged ones, yeah. and it's obviously. <laughs> People like you and me. Yeah. And it, you know, obviously it, it takes on a pretty serious question of what it would be like to have to never get to be the person that you want to be hmm. and then have the opportunity to be that person in kind of a fake environment, you know, like it, it is an interesting, not fake, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say fake. I, I would object to that word, although we can talk about this. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is like, how do you, how do you get to be when you, once you're granted the opportunity to be the person you, you 
thought you might be, like, where do you begin? Yeah. yeah like, I think that's kind of the interesting question. Mm -hmm. They don't really deal with that much. And I'm mm -hmm. sure we'll talk about more. But anyway, yeah. And I will say fan culture to the rescue on that regard. There is a huge fan culture about this. That's very queer art, mm -hmm. fan fiction, you know, cartoons, like all of that is out there. This has been adopted by people who definitely found a lot to uh, a lot of themselves in it, especially since if people have not already realized it's a biracial couple. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm curious, what was Brooker's reaction to the reaction? Because as I said, this show did develop a this episode got a lot of critical acclaim. I mean, Black Mirror has gotten some critical acclaim, but I think this was the first one where I remember a lot more people talking about than otherwise would have. Was he surprised by that? Was he pleased by it? I think pleased. They say they were pretty shocked by how much response it got by the queer community. Mm -hmm. And Charlie Brooker said that he thought people would find it a little more shocking that it was old people fucking, which <laughs> I... I find it endearing that he thought that that would be shocking <laughs> because also, well, it's also not old people. It's actually two was, very good looking young people. Yeah, I was fucking. Say, it's not. I, I, well, I know within the context of the show, it's old people fucking. The fact is it's Mackenzie Davis and Gugu Mbatha raw it, fucking. Yeah. And they are really like it's, it's good hot, for them. It's, it's two hot women fucking. So yeah, yeah like, it's not old Anna, people. I hate, yes. As a white cisgender, whatever. Like, yeah, totally happy to yes. see that. that well, yes. Um, yeah. At the whole, yeah. you know, the whole gag at Wonkat had to do with the fact that all those GOP senators would be fine with gay marriage if it was just lesbians. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. So yes. Anyway, all of them would be, love this episode, you know, like, like, Forget about the grooming. Here's two attractive women fucking. Speaking of which, is there any detail about the making of this episode that you find to be hysterically ironic? I'm glad you asked that question, Dan. Oh, I'm, I'm happy I did too. So they built the model of this set in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's pretty meta, I have to say. And what I find hysterically funny about it is that the way they talk about it in the interview, I just, it, to me, read between the lines, I don't think it worked real well. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, so the set designer is like, so we, before we built Tucker's bar for real, we built it in 3D. I gave Charlie and Owen a VR headset so they could walk around the bar and look at the space. In the industry, that process is just beginning. So we marched ahead. But then the director says, <laughs> my overriding memory is feeling a bit seasick every time I put it on. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave it up, but it was incredibly useful and I massively appreciate the effort. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's total covering. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, I like that. Now, okay. and now, Chekhov's What's It? Dan, of course, this is a thing that appears in the first act that winds up being very important in the third act. What would you say? I have Chekhov's Berlinda Carlisle hit song. The show, op this particular episode opens and closes with uh, Heaven Ooh, is a Place baby, on Earth. do you know what that's worth? Let me put it this way. I, I, so Neither I, of us I can sing. I, I love it. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> but let me put it this way. I, I, you know, that is a definition of a 1987 fluffy pop song. And I think I like this episode a little more than you do because I actually got a little choked up when it plays over the, the closing. Because, you know, like the, the lyrics actually talk about I'm not afraid anymore, which certainly tracks Yorkie's and Kelly's sort of journey. And that in, was actually pretty touching. To in me. reading about how they made it, apparently that song came on a like a shuffle playlist while Brooker was writing. 
Uh, and okay. so kind of wrote it into the episode. I would say Chekhov's Greg, Dan. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Chekhov's Greg. I was actually pleased that Greg turned out to be a real person. Like, cause like it was the classic when he, when Yorkie says it, you're like, oh, come on. That's just. Well, crazy. he is called then, Greg is a, you know, yeah. not his name is Greg, but he is called Greg. That. Yeah. This will get us into the first part of the, of, of the plot. Yeah. Because when she says that, that was my first, mm-hmm. like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that's not a normal way to describe a fiance. So there is something up here. Something is weird. That's yeah. true. Something right, something's amiss at this eighties <laughs> bar, Dan. That's actually one of the things I've got. So yes. <laughs> All right, let's get to the plot. Act one: Heaven is a place online. Welcome to San Junipero. And if you can't figure out that we're in the totally tubular 1980s inside of a minute into this episode, you did not live through them. There's a Lost Boys poster, a Max Headroom cameo, and our protagonist, Yorkie's clothes, which represent the true low point in 1980s fashion. Anna, you look shocked. I've, you actually like your mini low points. Let's just say mini low points. Okay, As a white girl in the South in the 1980s. Okay. Fair, fair, fair. Yorkie seems super tentative as she walks into a bar slash arcade, but she can't stop staring at Kelly, a young woman so vivacious she makes her dayglow 80s garb look super hot 40 years later. By the way, side note, Anna, did you ever wear dayglow colors in the 80s? I escaped that. I escaped dayglow colors. I did have a preppy phase that's why i okay. took umbrage oh, well, you description guessed, yeah. of yorkie enough, i did yes, I, yeah. it did not last very long preppy. right but you know i have some sympathy for everyone that did that everyone who wore pleated khaki shorts yeah. my heart goes oh, out no, to I, you i including myself but i actually there was one summer where in fact i was wearing enough dayglow that i looked like a wham extra Oof. it was bad yeah, yeah. i was more into no, esprit you know, ah, fair enough. Which yes. was a lot of like um, nautical colors. Right. It a lot right. of blue stripes, like sort of like rust. Anyway. Anyway, Dan. Anyway, Yorkie and Kelly meet cute as the latter pretends the former is a dying friend as a way to ditch a very covetous dude named Wes. They dance, or rather, Kelly dances and Yorkie moves her body in an awkward manner. And then outside the club, Kelly puts the moves on Yorkie. The latter is clearly interested, but also clearly freaked out, claiming she's worried what others in the club were thinking. And oh, also lamely explaining that she's engaged to some dude named Greg. Anna, I appreciated that this episode not only nailed the 80s vibe in the costumes and music, but that it was very specific to 1987. Would you agree? Dan, how did you know it was 1987? Was there a sign somewhere, perhaps? <laughs> or a piece of dialogue? It, it was the Lost Boys. No, there is actually also, sorry. Oh, there is oh, also sorry, there is also signage in the background that says 1987. <laughs> oh, it does? Okay. Yeah. Fair in enough. every flashback, in every decade, there is a piece of signage or a piece of dialogue that... that delineates the Makes exact it clear, yeah. year it is yeah yeah sorry hello hi everyone this is bram bram wants to be a podcaster <laughs> that was so cute it's so cute all right he's gonna get his own show later. bram reached for the mic it like you know you heard a little was, thump. that was adorable yep. yep okay and then i have a, a uncomfortable question which is what do you yep. think kelly saw in yorkie that is a fair question to ask, I think. And in some ways, I think Brooker has acknowledged this, that he sort of, the thing he was worried about was that the romance would sort of proceed too quickly. See, I it's think, not the quickness of it that's a problem, right? It's like, yeah. sincerely, like, what did Yorkie do that would make her seem like 
a fun person to hang out with. Oh, I guess it's the it's a, when she picks up on the not six months, but five months to live. Right. I think that was the first thing. And I think the other thing is, let's face it, Kelly is in an adventurous mood. Kelly was pretty much into anything. And I think Yorkie was probably a nice change of pace, at least at the start. So I, let me this way. I, didn't, I bought the idea that Kelly was probably into weirdly Yorkie's awkwardness. That's her kink. Because, yes, exactly, <laughs> at this point. So yeah, like that that I was totally fine with. I didn't I didn't have a problem with the sort of first meet cute and like the idea that that I've never made it with a truly awkward white girl. So. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's All right. Notch on the bedpost. Oh, there you go. Let's move on to act two. Anna, something might be amiss at the quagmire. I think so, Dan. <laughs> it's one week later and Yorkie espies Kelly at the club again, dancing with a dude. She makes her move when Kelly goes into the ladies' room, apologizing for her reticence the previous week and explaining that Kelly will need to mentor her. They go back to Kelly's place and make love close to the beach. Yorkie acknowledges that she was a virgin, and Kelly reveals that she was once married to a man and only now is exploring her queer side and is just looking for a good time. And then it's midnight. A week later, Yorkie looks for Kelly but can't find her. She even goes to the Quagmire, a more punk establishment that Kelly had previously <laughs> mentioned. Punk. That, it's a sex club, Dan. Dan is it's a sex club. club. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. I, it was the only time I think I laughed at the episode, actually, was yeah, the Quagmire scene. Because you know no, why? Was, why? It's a sex club that also has a snake in it. I don't know. <laughs> I've never been to a Just, sex club. Maybe people have snakes and also cage fighting. I don't know. I don't know. It like, it's possible. I, I've done a lot of reading. Like, I've done I've done know, some reading in this regard, and that seems not to line up. But you know what that looked like? It looked like the version of like a goth Renaissance fair. Like, okay, we got to put we got we're just gonna throw everything into the quagmire. Like, we're just gonna throw all the stuff. It sort of makes sense if you realize if you think that they're all like seventy and eighty years old. That's true. <laughs> they don't really know what a sex club looks like. Actually, that is kind of an interesting thought experiment. If like you're taking a bunch of old people who never got to act out like on the stuff they wanted to when they were. Yeah in their youth, youth yeah. what would they think a sex club looked like? <laughs> I don't even want to. Apparently Let's... like the quagmire. Anyway, go ahead. Yes. Anyway, Kelly is not at the quagmire, but Yorkie bumps into Wes, who says Kelly ditched him as well. He suggests to try a different time. Yorkie then shows up in 1980-themed San Junipero, then a 1996 San Junipero, and finally finds Kelly in 2002. Kelly insists she just wants to have a good time, causing Yorkie to flee. Kelly goes after her and finds her on the roof. Kelly confesses that she is, in fact, dying and had been avoiding Yorkie because she didn't want to develop feelings for her. The two sleep together again, and it's confirmed that San Junipero is a simulation. In real life, Kelly lives in Carson City, Nevada, and Yorkie lives in Santa Rosa, California. Anna, I think shows like Black Mirror work best when the premise is slowly revealed, and the dialogue can work on two levels. And... This is one of the things I, again, because I watched this episode twice, I thought this episode did a great job with dialogue, particularly in the first half, that fits with both the sort of classic 1980s movie context and the simulation context. And I think the episode is about halfway through before it sort of goes into exposition mode. When did you guess what San Junipero was? Do you mean when did I guess it was afterlife or when did I guess it was like some kind of simulation? I guess I, I both, I would guess. Well, like I said, sort of, he's called Greg. It's like the first thing where I'm like, all right, well, something is up there. And then, of course, right. I don't know, like, the, I mean, obviously, when he says, try her at a different time. Right. That's the first. Yeah, that's the first. That's the first that's the big reveal. Explicit. Yeah. Yeah. I was interested to see how they played off. Like, the, the, the piece of dialogue that confused me 
mm-hmm. and it was a good setup was how many of these people do you think are dead? Right, exactly. Yeah. Which Which my first guess was this is a video game of some kind. Uh yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Which right. is kind of sort of is, but not really, because oh. I don't think they're in yeah. Uh, Dan, I want to say something about the ethics of sport fucking. This is a panel oh, okay. about Please. ethics yeah, okay. in sport fu- fucking. Okay, let's, let's, <laughs> let's get to this. Yes, yes, go ahead. I think Kelly is genuinely being a dick. Be specific, like when is like she when being a dick? She, she... Sport fucking is fine if everyone's yes. on the same page. Right, absolutely. And yeah. she does not ascertain whether or not your key is on the same page. Fair. I will say, okay, let me counter with Yorkie's also being a little bit of a dick because Yorkie- oh, she winds up being a dick. True. Yeah, but, but, but even like in this stage, Yorkie is a touch stalkerish towards Kelly, both before they actually sleep together and then obviously after. After I kind of get, but like before it was like, it was interesting. If a, let me put it this way. If a guy was behaving that way, it would have given off a stalker vibe. Right, except Kelly doesn't know that she's being stalked. That's fair. And also, but as a viewer, like we're watching. Sure, but I'm saying in the situation, like that, as far as anyone knows, like as far as Kelly knows, she's being Mm -hmm. a jerk. I think so. I mean, let me put this way: like it's explained as to why, but still, I think you have to establish your ground rules in those situations. And she, I think that's that's fair. The only thing I will say is that it was clear Kelly did not know that Yorkie was a virgin before Yorkie's words deflowering her virginity and stuff. It's just yeah, yeah, not no, but nice. like after that, it's not nice. No, no, no. It, it, as as Yorkie says, it's about manners. That so is right. That is what I I'm think saying. That was it's about correct. manners. Yes. This is a yes. panel about manners in sport. There fucking. we go. <laughs> okay, I and that, and that I will accept the point. Although Yorkie also displays some bad manners a little bit later. Yes. Speaking yes. of which, let's get to Act Three. Wham, bam, killer, ma'am. So it turns out that in the real world, both Kelly and Yorkie are quite old, old. And, <laughs> and and in assisted living facilities. Kelly is dying of cancer. Yorkie is a quadriplegic and also on a respirator. She can hear, but she can't speak. It turns out Greg is real, though. He is a nurse at Yorkie's facility and explains her backstory. When Yorkie came out to her super religious parents at the age of 21, they didn't take it very well, so she drove off and got into the car accident that left her immobilized. She's marrying Greg so that he can sign off on Yorkie's euthanasia. Once she has passed over, she can reside in San Junipero full-time instead of the five hours a week that she has now. Kelly asks for five minutes inside San Junipero with Yorkie. Once there, she suggests that she marry Yorkie instead, since after all, they actually have a relationship. Yorkie accepts, and the euthanasia proceeds as planned. Yorkie becomes a permanent resident of San Junipero. Anna, can we talk for a second about the assisted living facilities of the future? Because they looked admittedly a bit antiseptic, but pretty damn nice to me. I'm hoping this is the future. This is how we know it's a fantasy, Dan. This is how we know it's a utopian Black it wasn't, by the way, it wasn't just like technology. It looks so clean and neat. It was also that the two like healthcare workers that we see, Greg and the woman who helps um, Kelly, both very sweet, both very nice people. I, you know, I, I that's gorgeous. I, you know, nothing yeah. has been ruined by global warming. Right. It's like yeah. this whole vibe. It looks great. <laughs> this is like a beautiful version of the future. And we'll talk more about that later, Dan. Okay. And let's close up with act four to infinity and beyond. Kelly meets up with Yorkie again in San Junipero, and they both look awfully cute in their wedding dresses. Yorkie asks Kelly to pass over and join her when she is about to die. 
Kelly refuses, explaining that her dead husband Richard refused to even visit San Junipero because their daughter Allison had died decades earlier before San Junipero existed and therefore can't be there. Kelly doesn't believe in an afterlife, however, but feels bound to honor her husband of 49 years. She drives off in her Jeep, furious at Yorkie, but crashes into an embankment. Yorkie shows up to help her up, but at midnight, Kelly winks away. In her assisted living facility, Kelly's health deteriorates and she opts for euthanasia. As Belinda Carlisle's anthem plays over the soundtrack, we see Yorkie in her Miata drive to Kelly's place. Miata. And guess what? Yeah. Did I, did I mispronounce that? Uh, no, I'm just saying I, oh, that's okay. all the touches that there are. Oh, like, the Miata is perfect. Like Miata. that. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. And guess what? Kelly has changed her mind. The two of them seemingly live happily ever after. Okay, Anna. Let's get to the deep questions that this show brings up. First, if there is a San Junipero option for you, would you take it? And also, do you think Yorkie and Kelly live happily ever after? I'm going to say no, unless we're in okay. full-on fantasy mode. And I do really want to talk more about that, but in a, in a later section. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> as far as them staying together or living happily ever after, I think they can live happily ever after whether or not they stay together. I would like to point out they, there is a serious age difference here. Like, for all intents and purposes, Kelly is marrying a 21-year-old. Right, in the sense that Yorkie, while being biologically as old as Kelly, she is, she's really been was only a an active person in, in the life. world for, yeah, for the yeah. first 21. Yeah, so that's fair. never had another relationship. This is the first relationship she's ever had, first person yep. she's ever had sex with. Mm-hmm. I kind of want Yorkie to, like, spread her wings and fly. Maybe come back to Kelly. I think Kelly would be fine with that. Let me put it this but way. like, I'm... would you marry someone, Dan? Yes. <laughs> In Kelly's position, knowing you're marrying a 21 year old former virgin. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all former virgins. On well, like recent virgin. Yes. yes recently yes. de-virginized. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. I, I was going to say 20 year old virgin, but basically, yeah. Like recently de-virgined. Yes. Deflowered, I guess. But I hate this. <laughs> de-virgined is better. I'm really just letting you dig your own grave on this. Oh, I don't think I'm digging my grave. I'm having fun. But I'm I'm digging your grave, Dan. I'm about to push you into it. Would you marry, if you are 80-something, 80 years experience, do you marry someone who is psychologically 21 years old? Well, I'm not Rupert Murdoch, so the answer is no on this. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you might have a girlfriend. Sure. Like, show her the ropes of being a person in the world. You know, the way I would put it is that I think they could have a fabulous relationship, but I actually kind of hope that Yorkie has some other experiences. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. I think that's fair. Let me put it this way. Part of the issue here is that I don't know if like the show really understands the concept of infinity. You know, like if this is an infinite period of time that they are going to be together, then the way I would put it is that I would hope that, um, the ever after, be, yeah. I would if, hope it's that really ever after. Like, then you yeah. need some breaks. It's be like, hey, you know what? Let's take the next ten years off. Let's experiment. Then maybe we get back together. You know that. And I think, let I, I, I agree with you. And I think, in some ways, I guess I agree with Charlie Brooker. The one flaw in this episode, or one of the flaws in this episode, is the belief that these two really are like fated to be together because that's clearly not true. And indeed, even within the context of the show, that's not true since we know that Kelly has had a marriage of 49 years before being with Yorkie. It would be, it would be surprising if they were like able to, to be together indefinitely. So 
I think I live this way. I think the only way they can live happily ever after is if they, for a period of time, do not live happily ever after would be the way I would put it. Yeah. I, yeah. That kind of the yeah. point I was making. Yes. Sorry, um, yes. I also want to say that I thought that the way that the show was going was maybe to acknowledge that Yorkie's happily ever after may not be with Kelly, that it's possible to have a wonderful, full, rich relationship with someone and mm-hmm. not have it be forever. Well, let me put it this way. There was Or that one... it be just the one, or that it just be for a time. <laughs> I will say this. There was one note of ambiguity that I noticed in the second watching that I didn't pick up on the first one. And I don't know if it was intentional or it was just the way it was stru- structured. Is that as the ending goes on, you realize that Yorkie is living in one place and Kelly is living in another. Because Yorkie gets into the Miata and drives to Kelly's. Now, maybe it was because Kelly had just arrived. And so then they're going to be together forever but there's a part of me after having watched this episode a second time that kind of hopes that yorkie has her own place kelly has her own place that yes they're married but maybe they also get to like you know ethical non-monogamy dan they're e and they choose to build de blasio option that's all i'm saying (laughs) well dan we've talked about a lot in this episode but i I have some other questions oh okay well please shoot is there ir in it Anna, the IR in this episode is not about who owes who. It's about manners. Because, in fact, there is zero IR in this episode. But I think the reason there's no IR in it tells us a fair amount about international relations. Because the extent that we actually experience San Junipero, San Junipero has no conflict in it. There's no, like, groups. There's no gangs. There's no state, as we understand it. Um, there's no actors attempting to acquire power. It is a utopia in that sense. And the question is why? Well, because none of the traditional drivers of international relations exist in San Junipero. There is no imperatives for survival in this world because we know that people can't die. They can do pretty much anything and they cannot die. You know, we see Kelly drive into an embankment, you know, do something that would normally kill her, but obviously it doesn't. Uh, There is no scarcity of resources. It's a virtual world. No money seems to be used. Creating things like homes and cars seem pretty easy. So there's no scarcity in which, you know, people can contest over resources. This might be the most utopian part of San Junipero, but there's no clashes of identity either. There's no, I mean, I guess there's, there's sort of the dead there and the almost dead, but, but other than that, there really is no sort of divider in terms of identity. And indeed. There's the crusher and the crushy. Yeah. I mean, and what was interesting is that, as you point out, it's a mixed race couple. Kelly is is African-American. Yorkie is white. That goes uncommented on throughout the entire episode, which I thought was fine. Like, you know, I don't I'm not sure you really wanted to add that element uh, to one hour television, but it shows there's no identity issues without any conflicts regarding fear or interest or honor. There is no international relation. <laughs> there is no Dan Dresner. I, I, exactly. I cease. I cease to exist in San Junipero. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Like, if I if I went to San Junipero, I'm like, oh my god, my primary thing that I've studied my entire life no longer. And like, no one will know what you talk about. There's no space yeah. in nation either, because like people are like what? Yeah. <laughs> it's a fascinating thing. On the other hand, there's no work period. I'm like, although this does raise the interesting question, like, who is the bartender? Like, is he like a permanent resident of San Diego? Yeah, I assume like or? a droid or like a bot or something, right? Not Maybe. droid. Droid would be and, weird. Um, but an it, NPC. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. An interesting possibility. NPC. But Anna, I have a question for you. Yeah. Oh, Dan, what is it? 
Is there a critique of capitalism in this episode? Dan, can you just make this easy for me? (laughs) Because there isn't a critique of capitalism in this episode, which is wild because this is a Black Mirror episode, Dan. It's an episode of Black Mirror. Mm -hmm. But also not surprising because this is the well-established singular utopia Mm-hmm. of black mirror so of course you can't remind people that capitalism exists mm-hmm. how do you how do you have a utopian episode if you remind people that there's such a thing as capitalism I because like truth time yeah in what capitalist world would san junipero be accessible to anyone besides the very 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 wealthy like you introduce capitalism into this world and there's a bunch of questions about who gets to go to San Junipero or how big they're like, you know, like I have to admit, this is the part where it was like, if it was like second life or something like surely like you could get the premium San Junipero. Yeah. Life. Actually, there is a great show on Amazon called um, Upload, yeah. which, which explores this concept as well, but there is plenty of capitalism in that series. Maybe we should do that at some point in our we weird should. way that we do TV shows. Yeah. And I will remind people if you live in a world where San Junipero is only for the extremely wealthy. Do you want to be there? If it's <laughs> Elon's all the time, Dan. Oh God. <laughs> if it's like Elon and Murdoch and like Bill Gates, <laughs> a San Francisco of the dead, but without like charming buildings and history, who wants to live forever? If Elon is your neighbor, Dan, like, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I say no. This is why I said it was a qualified, kind of a qualified no before. The other thing I'll say, speaking of Elon and capitalism, is that if this takes place in a world with capitalism, someone can buy San Junipero. Oh, that is a good point. And it clearly is taking place. And what if Elon bought it? That would be terrifying. Uh, But like this is clearly taking place in a world of capitalism because as it cuts to the end, as they're playing Heaven is a Place on Earth, we see the corporation. I think it's like some acronym that's like doing this. Then I have questions. Then that's like the trick dystopian ending. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, It is like there's a server farm. That's right. There's a server farm at the very end. And that actually did make me think like, yeah, I wonder, like, how is this happening? That who's getting chosen? What is the limit? Mm -hmm. There was a part of me that literally thought like, well, they've clearly solved the storage problem. So maybe I just won't ask questions about that. Right. yeah, who gets access and how do you keep someone from buying it? How do you keep it from having ads? Like imagine a San Junipero that had like, there's a freemium version with ads. Like- <laughs> I see, but, but there can't, the ads would be meaningless because you know the dead the dead people can't buy anything. Oh, except so for the five get, hours that you get if yeah, you're yeah, a senior. Also, in, oh, oh my God, also in capitalism, no mm-hmm. one has a limit on how much time you can spend in San Junipero. Like right, no one, it's not, it's yeah. like, it's, you're going to sell it to anyone who can afford it. The other thing is, I don't know if you noticed, like, it seemed like there were only Americans in San Junipero. I assumed there were other cities. And also, whatever, you know, questions upon questions arise because you have all, like, do you speak the same language? Does everyone basically speak, quote unquote, English? Or is it just like some neural transmitter? So it feels like everyone's speaking your language, whatever it is. Is there history? Do we remember stuff? What Mm -hmm. about the history that's happening outside? When people join 10 years later after you've come in, what do you know about you get updates about the, do exactly get updates? do you get updates yeah fair enough anyway so that's why there's no capitalism in this episode and no critique of capitalism because if they reminded you that it existed things would get very ugly very fast mm-hmm. fair enough <laughs> 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 somehow <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, oh no, it's data being uploaded. Over. Oh, it's uploaded via modem. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. It's time <laughs> we have to for work on our Discord and our actual Discord notes, Dan. I think we mostly just do modem sounds. That's um, true. But that's how old we are. So anyway, yeah, Discord notes. Dan, Dan, Dan. Discord notes. This is where we take questions from the Discord and answer them in the podcast. Uh, so Doug O asks, which decade is our preferred virtual reality diner and what would be on the jukebox? Anna, what's your answer to this? Well, Doug probably knows this because we, we know each other from the mid-90s. Oh, <laughs> so you might okay. guess this for me, but I would say mid-90s. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess if I had to pick a specific diner, it'd be someplace in Chicago. Ooh. Maybe Harold's Chicken Shack? <laughs> I know Harold's Chicken Shack, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or or Von, is it Von Savoy? Savoy. Uh, the Savoy, isn't it? On, on uh, 51st Street? Um, Maybe. I'd also see go your for food. There's ribs and bibs on... on I think yeah, see your food. I believe it's the Savoy. See your food. It's yeah. a cafeteria, and their slogan used to be at least "See your food," which I always really loved. Um, <laughs> and the jukebox would be Exile in Guyville, Slanted Enchanted, My Bloody Valentine, Pixies, Nirvana, Dan in Ooh. my San Junipero. Kurt never dies. Kurt oh. lives forever. Wow, that's interesting. Okay, so interestingly enough, my answer is similar to yours, but I think the place is different and the music is different, which is, I would also say early to mid 90s. But I think I would probably want like the Hobies in the South Bay and the music would be from K-Fog. So I'd want like Toad the Wet Sprocket. I love Toad the Wet Sprocket. I will defend Toad the Wet Sprocket to you. No, 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 no. Partially it was because like this was the music that was playing when I was in grad school, which I loved. But, you know, I definitely would prefer Nirvana as well, you know, and, you know, Juliana Hatfield, the Reality Bites soundtrack, basically. Yeah, I, I also Garbage. appreciate that yeah. stuff. I I, yeah. I will say that was that was the that was the alt rock to the indie right. rock. Exactly. <laughs> when yeah. such things mattered. <laughs> oh, such things were hugely important. Yes, yes. But that would be uh, where I would go. All right. The other question we have is from Dan Brennan, which is, does the idea of an eternal virtual afterlife enhance or detract from our living life? I had not given this a ton of thought until I read mm -hmm. actually... Um, uh, essay by Emily St. Clair in Vox that hmm. appeared when this came out, uh, where oh. she mentions that her wife deals with depression mm -hmm. and that perhaps for people who struggle with depression, like myself and her wife, like maybe the idea of living forever is <laughs> not More of a as, curse than a blessing. Yes. Um, yeah. I guess I do kind of figure like they both they've solved alcoholism and depression right in San mm -hmm. Junipero there are no AA meetings no. in San right. Junipero although actually you know what here's a here's something I would like there to be AA meetings in San Junipero even if there's no alcohol even if it's impossible to drink yeah yeah because I fucking love AA <laughs> I love those meetings although it'd be weird to go to an AA meeting with no old people <laughs> that's true. I, I confess so uh, I think there's an argument for it enhancing this life mm -hmm. because you can be less afraid of making wrong choices. Right. It makes you less risk averse. Although there's a danger that it becomes so risk loving that you wind up. 
Right. So that's why there should be in this fantasy where there is such a thing, some kind of limit on it. Like it is limited until you get old. Right. Yeah. I think I mean, I leave it this way. There's a reason why I think to the extent that there's theology on this, it's very often what happens in the afterlife is somewhat linked to what you do in the present life, in Mm -hmm. the current life. And I so I think the, the question becomes, it would be more problematic if it turned out that it doesn't matter what you do in our current life, because you know, the afterlife is waiting for you. I think that would be, you need some incentive compatibility would be the way I would put it. And so I would hope that, that the life you live in the present can determine the quality of life you wind up having in the afterlife. But I think you're right. Like part of the other issue is just because you're going to live forever. Doesn't mean you saw, you know, the the good news is you're going to live forever. The bad news is you're living with yourself. And so the question becomes just how much do you like yourself? Um, and unfortunately the, the people who tend to like themselves the best are also insufferable. Yeah. Elon, do you want to, do you want to have Elon be your neighbor for the rest of until the heat death of the universe? No, I don't want him to be my neighbor now. Actually, you know, the joke I was going to make actually about what San Junipero would be like, is it'd be like Austin (laughs) Ah. only except it's only the people who moved here within the past five years and who aren't from here. Like claim, claim citizen exception. I, I confess it would be legit kind of funny to see what like if whether or not they wind up parsing Santa Junipero is also by political affiliation. Like what would MAGA San Jun? It wouldn't be MAGA. It wouldn't be San Junipero. It'd be like, what would like MAGA Palm Springs be like? It would be yeah. MAGA. You're right. It'd be, it'd be yeah. just a slightly separate, separate place. Yes. Exactly. All right. <laughs> ping, oh, ping, ping. Oh. It's more that server farm. Darn it. Ching, ching. Oh. It's uh, the satellites falling from like, the cloud is exploded, but people are fine. There's backups everywhere. Is it a brief field? Where we talk about what we haven't gotten a chance to talk about, Dan. I actually have a fair amount. I do too. So uh, go for it. Go ahead, and then we will. Let's see what we uh, what we get. Okay, uh, an annoyance for me. Okay, mm-hmm. people in movies and TV shows are always walking away from their full drinks at a bar. <laughs> now, as an alcoholic, this bothers me because okay. you, you're leaving fucking <laughs> meat on the bone. Right there. Okay, but this is a world of no scarcity, but I grant you that. Okay. okay. Yes, and also, pre, I guess this is, you know, pre roofie or no roofies, but like, ask yeah. a woman, do you leave your drink unattended at a bar? You okay. do not. And okay. Of course, there's no, there, you don't have to worry about that in San Junipero. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. You have to understand that I am laughing because Anna is wrestling with her cat to make sure because the cat clearly has opinions about this episode <laughs> and is trying to weigh in constantly. <laughs> and, Bram? And, yes. He's like silent now oh, that I put him oh, on the mic. Now you're quiet, now Bram. Yeah, now yeah. you shut up, Bram. Okay. Let me put it this way. Uh, so my, my comment, similar to yours, is this might seem weird, but why are there bathrooms, Anna? <laughs> to do your makeup. But why obviously is, to do your makeup, do you but like, to, why do you, do, do you need to do your makeup? Yeah, but there were stalls there. Like it was like a real bathroom. And, and maybe was, just for verisimilitude, I guess. But yes, I, I assume yeah. there are no bodily functions, only sex. I a, yes, exactly. And unless so, bodily functions are part of your kink, in which case, cool, go with it. There you go. Okay. Yeah. What else you got? Um, I really thought it was funny that there was a snake in the sex club. Um, <laughs> 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 just... I know. Just like, I guess again, haven't been. Maybe snakes are a thing. Uh, what's your What's your favorite needle drop? Um. Oh, it was the girlfriend in a coma. Yeah. Same. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 Which also, of course winds up being 
meaningful. Right, exactly. Um, but also I will add, I really loved the scene where Yorkie is trying on the different clothes. And like, I kind of wish he had gone at least once as the Robert Palmer girl. That was a scene they wrote. They wrote that scene. They wrote, what do you mean? They they wrote a scene for her going to the bar as a Robert Palmer girl. Oh, they did? Oh, they should have totally done that. I'm bummed they didn't do that. Like, she, yeah. again, props to Mackenzie Davis. She pull, I would never have guessed her pulling off the Robert Palmer girl thing, but she totally did in that. So yeah, she that. did. Yeah. Let's see. I thought the signage to make clear what exactly what year it was did was kind of, you know, on the nose. Was it Come too, on. like, on the head? It's yeah, too much, too much. Actually, the thing I did like was if you noticed they had, like, when they would say one week later, it was the, it, they used the appropriate font in yeah. the, that was, that was, that was more clever. And I wish they had just kept it at that. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, one thing again, this actually in some ways could have been Chekhov's uh, car crash, but I did like how when Yorkie is in the arcade for the first time, she sees the video game with the car crash and she instinctively like pulls back and you don't quite know what's going on. And then of course it, it becomes quite clear why it's going on. I mentioned this earlier, kind of, I guess, but I appreciated that Yorkie had a moment of being a, a, a dick, you know, being yeah. a jerk that felt real to me yeah. because she is 21 and this is her first relationship and she will make assumptions about what it means and assumptions mm -hmm. about what only a 20 year old would think about marriage. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No. And I, I was another say problem with marrying a 21 year old, Dan, is yeah. what a 20 year olds, what 21 year olds conception of what marriage is. I, I do want to give Charlie Brooker credit here because like when Kelly slaps Yorkie and like says how you have no idea what a marriage is, I will say as someone who's been married for not quite 49 years, but a fair amount, I was like, good. You and know where what? did like, you go for your anniversary? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I went to French Polynesia. It's a magical place. It's a, it's a magical place. Anyway. Um, anyway. But yeah, so that 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 was good. We haven't really talked about the performances, and I did want to bring this up because I, I, first of all, I think Gugu Mbatha Raw does a great job of just making Kelly incredibly charismatic, and you understand why Yorkie is like, you know, instantly attracted to her. And in some ways, Mackenzie Davis is the slightly harder job because really she's the protagonist. And my favorite moment of her, beyond the trying on the different clothes, was just the utter joy she had after they had slept together the first time. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like we're, they're in bed. She's like, you know, I don't know how to describe this. Like she's clearly, she, she orgasmic. <laughs> yeah. She was orgasmic, but like, you know, it was, it was again, unusual for a black mirror episode. She was just legitimately happy. And it was nice to see. And I'll say, this is where the advantage of having sex with an 80 year old, if you're 21, probably like is, you know, yeah. like if your first time is with someone who's had, Decades and decades and decades of practice. <laughs> yes. Although you didn't like, it's an interesting question. How much practice had Kelly actually had? Because remember, yes, she well, had. They're not so. They're they're not such different sports. Fair I enough. I think that. Okay. <laughs> I think if you play ball in one arena, like you can, there are some transferable skills. I, because also it's about attitude, Dan. Let's not continue yes. this conversation. Okay, let's keep going. Anything else? I, I don't have anything else <laughs> did at the input. This is not our future because they seem to have figured out elder care. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It is a utopia, as I said. The only thing I will close with, two minor things. First, poor Wes, you know, just total loser you know like you know he, he thought it was something different and it wasn't and also uh i did want to give props to the director owen harris he also directed my other favorite black mirror episode i don't know if you've seen it it's be right back 
Um, no, I thought I thought USS Callister was your other favorite. Oh, that's also a good one. This one, but this one is slightly sadder. It's it's with um, Haley Atwell and Dom Hall Gleason. It's really an interesting commentary about social media and also it's actually about the afterlife also in some ways. So, oh, I have seen that one. Yeah, that one is and, melancholy and not bleak. Yes, exactly. That's the yeah. way, and that is they the should level of sort them like, like that on Netflix. That would be a great idea. That is an outstanding <laughs> suggestion. That is, wow. Like that would actually be a public service to do the and, algorithm that way. Hold on. The cat keeps turning on a fan down here. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. And now he's biting my toes. He just doesn't, he just wants this episode to be over, Dan. And I guess. We can, we can oblige him. We have gotten into the end of what we have to say. Come back next week for This Is How You Lose, how the, you time lose the Time War. Then we have the Riddick Chronicles, and then things get kind of unclear. So send us suggestions either via the Discord, if you're a patron, or if you're on Blue Sky, which I know not a ton of people are on. <laughs> but there's more every day. Getting, oh, my God. Getting bigger. Apparently had the largest surge in users like yeah. in its existence. like Went up like 100,000 people. Cat mm-hmm. turned on the fan again. Dan, until next time. Keep this channel open for more.